to another episode of Operation Sequel. Today we're going to be talking about Majora's Mask. Majora's Mask was developed by Nintendo EAD and was released in Japan in April of 2000. It also hit North America in 2000 and the PAL region in 2000. This one doesn't have a lot of ports. I mean, it has been ported to the 3DS in the Majora's Mask 3D, which is a bit of an uprise. Kind of the same thing they did with Ocarina of Time. Other than that, all this has hit is the GameCube. In the director slot this time, we have Eiji Ayanuma and Yoshiaki Koizumi. The artists were Yusuke Nakano and Takaya Imamura, with the writer slots being Mitsuhiro Takano, Shigeru Miyamoto, and Yoshiaki Koizumi again. And of course, the music was done by Koji Kondo. Now, in case you couldn't tell last time with Craig on as a guest, uh, these opening blurbs are starting to get a little long. So this time, since I don't have somebody to share the pain with, uh, right now I'm going to read from the strategy guide from Prima, uh, which is what I use to play the game. After defeating the mighty Ganondorf and saving the land of Hyrule, our hero decides to take a more personal journey. However, he finds himself in a precarious position when a devious little imp steals the Ocarina of Time and his steed, Epona. And with this event, our hero finds himself caught up in yet another adventure of grand proportion. So, sorry if that doesn't tell you much, but it's a bit of a start. So, I guess a little bit of my history with this game. I play this more than I play any other Zelda game. Maybe with the exception of Wind Waker. I tend to play this once every five, six, seven years or so, whenever I start to feel a bit hazy on some of the details about it. And hopefully I can explain why this Zelda above most of the other Zeldas. So a running thread with all of these Zelda games is they all start really strong. Really like the start of this. It's very mysterious. You have no idea what's going on, right? In my opinion, it continues throughout most of the game. Like, this is the strongest opening thread so far. I mean, Link to the Past was good with the rainstorm and Ocarina was good. But this is the one that really caught me and, and holds me throughout the whole game. And right off the bat, I mean, you can tell that it looks better and it actually feels a little better than Ocarina did. Now, I don't know if that's just biased because I like this more than I like Ocarina, but I'm pretty sure in the graphical department, it just looks better. Things looked more textured than they did in Ocarina, which is fine considering, you know, Ocarina was their first 3D Zelda. There's no shame in that. On the note of the controls, Link feels more, well, without taking his other forms into account, Link himself feels a lot more acrobatic in this. And I don't know if its controls are a bit more responsive or maybe it's just that his animations are slightly different. But I like the way he moves in this more than the way he did in Ocarina. In Ocarina, it felt kind of clunky. Whereas here, yeah, there's a little bit of clunk still there, but it doesn't feel as pervasive as it did in Ocarina. So I guess the biggest thing to broach here, well, you know, without my crazy back and forth between subjects, is the tone, right? because the tone in this is way different than anything else in this franchise so far. And I believe the only one that might come close, barring Breath of the Wild, because I haven't played it yet, is probably Twilight Princess. Now, I don't think it goes this dark, but I can't remember very much of Twilight Princess right now. And don't get me wrong, it's not dark as in mature, it's just dark in the stories it tells. It, it's not a happy, light affair like most of the other games are. Sure, they have their, their moments where it's a little bit darker, but nothing as, well, pervasive as the tone is throughout this whole game. And I find myself drawn to this one more for that reason. Like the little cutscenes, they almost feel Lynchian, right? Just feel different for Zelda. And I wonder if that's Ayanuma's touch or not. There are a couple things I really like. 
like I much prefer Clocktown to Hyrule Field. Sure, it's not as expansive and it's not as impressive technical wise, but I feel it's a much better hub than Hyrule Field was in case you missed last time. That's all it really felt to both me and Craig or Craig and I. It, it just felt like a hub. This feels like a town. Like you can see the beginnings here of what they like to do in Zelda games going forward rather than in Ocarina of Time. Ocarina of Time, the towns felt barren. There was like six or seven NPCs and that was it. You didn't see them walking, going about their daily lives on a schedule, which is weird because I remember like that was the big thing when this came out was people on a schedule. And it's a little weird to go back to that things are that strict and sometimes the waiting does suck. Having to sit there basically watching the clock going, all right, in 10 minutes we'll be here. Come on, come on, come on. I, that does kind of suck, but I think that's more just kind of trapped in the time that it is more than an inherently bad design. While we're talking about bad design, there isn't much I have to complain about this. And this might just be because I came from Ocarina and I'm used to it for the moment. The only complaint I have is sometimes when you switch forms and even as Link himself, the camera feels really zoomed in. When you're a Deku scrub, it feels a lot more zoomed in, like I, I had a little bit more trouble and actually had to go into first person more often as a Deku scrub than I did as anything else. I don't know if it's just because he's smaller proportioned or not. And you know, without me nitpicking and trying to find faults with this, that's really all I got. Like this is going to be a bit of a love fest. I'll try to keep it short because nobody wants to hear somebody, you know, praise a game for a half hour. So I'll try to keep this one a little short. There are some things that even going back now uh, did impress me. I actually like the shorter length of this and the fact that you can either go for that 100% by getting all the masks or you can get what masks you want but still be able to finish the game as long as you've hit those temples. In terms of getting lost and not knowing what to do, the Bomber's Notebook is a really handy device just so if you are feeling lost, you can take a moment, look at it and go, okay, I'll do that. Now, that's not to say that it's it's the best hand-holding device. It, it doesn't tell you exactly what you have to do, but it's, it's a nice oomph in the right direction if you're feeling a little lost. And in this one, I did feel a little lost, but not the way I do in Ocarina. In Ocarina, you feel lost as in, what do I do next and how do I achieve that? The how do I achieve that is a big part of Zelda. In this one, it feels almost more like a paralysis of choice of like, hmm, what do I do first? And then you just kind of end up standing there thinking, okay, do I want to get this mask first? Do I want to go for this temple? It's that kind of thing, since it is as open-ended as we've seen so far in the series. Uh, a couple little things that just caught my eye were, I don't know if you're familiar with the, the series The Laughing Salesman, but man, does that mask salesman really give off that vibe. I don't think he's quite as evil as that character is, but there's something about him that's just off, right? And just makes you very wary of him. He doesn't do anything bad in the game. He's just kind of like that creepy uncle who never really did anything, but you're just like, eh, I don't know about you. Another thing that is nice is the fact that the storyline thread goes throughout. Like with Ocarina, it tended to get a little bit lost in all the stuff you had to do. Here, that moon is always there to remind you of why you're doing this and you need to get it done now. Now, in case you didn't know, in Majora's Mask, you it's basically Groundhog's Day. You have a three-day cycle that you have to repeat over and over again. Now, there are some things that, that work outside of the cycle, like some of the key items you get or... You know, if you have rupees in the bank, things like that, they work outside of it. But let's say you do, let's say you do a side quest for a mask that you don't necessarily need. If you manage to complete that in that three day cycle, 
you get to keep the mask outside of that three-day cycle. So you can do the side quest, achieve the mask, and then rewind time or reset time, and you'll still keep the mask. The NPCs go back to their previous schedule, but you don't have to do it again. Now, I don't know if it's directly because of that, but Majora's Mask feels much more RPG than any other Zelda has, and I don't exactly know why. Maybe it's because you're dealing more with townsfolk than you were in Ocarina. Maybe it's because there's a huge prevalence of side quests that actually matter. I, I'm not sure, but this one felt way more RPG than Ocarina or Link to the Past or even the original Zelda did. Now, a lot of things this game does right that I don't think merit a long monologue about, but that I really enjoyed, was the world is much more interesting this time. In Ocarina, the world is interesting based on the locations you have to go, like, oh, now we're heading to the lava place, now we're, you know, it, it's very elementally interesting of how are they going to do an ice cave, how are they going to do a fireplace. This time, the world itself just feels more interesting. There's a lot more going on than you see, if you know what I mean. It feels like there's more to this world than they're actually telling you. And a lot of that has to do with the NPCs again. But some of it has to do with just the way things feel, the way they're presented. This is a little odd because I don't like this game. But a lot of the things in this, especially the way things are presented to you, reminds me a lot of Shadow of the Colossus. There's this weird tone of sorrow that runs through everything. Even when you achieve something good, it's kind of tinged with sorrow. Like if you've played the game like with the lovers, right? What you did was good, but there's that tinge of sorrow. Even if you manage to save them, it's just kind of sad. Uh, the same with the giants when you, or the gods, I can't remember which exactly they call them. They reminded me of the fallen giants from Dark Souls 2, except with a nose job. Even there, there's, it feels deep enough to where there's, you think something's there. And I imagine that's why this game gets a lot of uh, people online talking about theories. More so than most other games, other than, you know, the, the timeline. And that is a kettle of fish I don't even want to touch. Now, as for the game itself, like the temples and the, the areas you go to, I didn't find anything near as frustrating as the water temple in Ocarina. The only one I found a bit tedious was the swamp. Well, that's where I went to first. That one was a little bit tedious. It's not anything to really complain about. I think this is a little bit weaker in terms of boss fights, only because I believe Ocarina had way more. Bongo Bongo is still my favorite boss in a Zelda game so far. But this one has a lot of good contenders. I mean, most of the four regulars, where you have to go into the temple and they're the temple bosses, I think, uh, I believe it was Ottaway was probably my favorite. He was the one that kind of looked like a, uh, a shaman. Very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Well, I guess that uh, tribal would be the best way I could put it, right? Very shamanistic, very tribal. But, you know, that kind of feel to him. He was probably my favorite. The big fish, Georg. I don't, I don't think he was very interesting. Like, I think the water parasite was a better water boss from Ocarina than he was. I mean, he's just a big fish. Goat is kind of interesting. The masked mechanical bull. That's kind of interesting. I like that. I don't think the boss fight itself was anything that spectacular. It was fun, but it wasn't mind-blowing. And I've gone all this time without mentioning Skull Kid and Majora's Mask. And that's what this is really all about, right? So I think he is way better than Ganondorf. Like, hands down, best Zelda villain so far. Give him a little bit of leeway here because I haven't played everything yet. But he had, maybe it's just because of the ever-present threat of the moon, but he seemed like he was a constant threat against you. Now, the only problem with Skull Kid is once that mask comes off, he is one derpy looking guy. Like, he looks like somebody just took a block of wood and drew, like, a duck beak on him and said, nah, we're good. But even just Majora's Mask itself, because 
the mask is kind of a personification of evil, in case you haven't played it. Way better villain, right? J just his boss forms alone, I think, are much cooler than Ganon has ever been. They just have much more menace to it. You know, well, let's take Final Fantasy, since I'm playing that at the same time. Okay, so, like, take Final Fantasy IV, right? At the time, you think Golbez is great. So, in this analogy, Golbez will be Ganon. Ganon is great, he's a cool villain, and then you play Final Fantasy VI and you see Kefka and your mind goes boosh, boosh. So Majora's Mask is Kefka in this situation. It is so much better than Ganon, at least my personal opinion. He may not have as deeply an intertwined story with both Link and Zelda, but way more menacing. Not to mention cooler forms, especially the long gangly arms with the eyeball that pops up above. Excellent, excellent design. And I guess this is a good time to talk about the enemies in this are much better. Like, hands down. And again, that's their first time. I'm not dinging Ocarina for that. It's just in this, they feel much better. Like, like they feel more designed. And I realize much more better is not a sentence. Very sorry for that. But I'll leave it in to show that even I am human. Whereas in Ocarina, the scale of Hyrule Field was impressive. Here, the only thing that made me feel impressed because of the scale of it was probably Twin Mold. Like that That's a pretty big boss on the N64. Sure, this game is running at the 17, I believe the 17 or 20 FPS, depending on where you're playing, that Ocarina did. But maybe, again, it's just because I played Ocarina. I didn't really feel it here either. It is nice to see um, familiar faces from Ocarina in here, like uh, twin the twin Rova boss lady being uh, potion salesman. I like that. That's kind of cool. One thing I think that this has above every other Zelda I've played, either so far or in the future, Twilight Princess a little bit, but it's the transformations, right? Like, when when I first played this, I was a kid, of course, but it blew my mind that I could be a Zora, right? That, that was great. I spent most of the game, every part I could as a Zora, because Zoras are pretty cool. I mean, Gorons are okay, but, I mean, Zora's where it's at. You get the guitar, it's, it's just so much better. Which, that is a nice touch as well, right? Like, that every transformation has its own instrument. I think the bagpipes are probably the coolest because who plays bagpipes? But that that's a nice touch and the sound design they have for each instrument works. It's not, you know, crystal clarity, red book audio, but you can tell what they're going for. And even some of the little touches in the sound design worked better this time. Like the fact that when you're underwater, sound distorts much better than it did in Ocarina. Or the fact that the, the music, they remixed the music. I mean, the windmill theme will always be my favorite song in this one. I don't know why. I don't know why it's not my favorite in Ocarina. Probably because of Gerudo Valley, right? The remixes they do, they're very deft touch with them. They don't completely change them. But they're different enough to where you could listen to the tracks back to back and you wouldn't feel like you're listening to the same thing. The owl statues also work much better as a fast travel system in this than just warping to the temples like they did in, the, in Ocarina. I like that and I hope and think. I'm not sure if that's in Wind Waker or not, but I guess we'll find out. Now, you're probably noticing that I'm not mentioning a lot of specifics, and this might be the only time I do this, but I'm kind of doing that on purpose, and that's because I hope that you're interested in this game after listening to this, because this is absolutely worth going back to. This wins the Golden Seal Award so far. This is best of the series. And I was kind of thought this is the way it would go when I started the Zelda series, but replaying it again now, I'll probably end up, re uh, well, you know, I I'll have the best of intentions to replay it again in, say, a year or so, but you don't know if you get around to it. But if thank you, Mike, for that ding noise. But if you haven't played this yet, and this has just even piqued your interest, even if you just watch a playthrough on YouTube, 
please do it. This is an excellent game. This is the only Zelda that feels like I think a Zelda game should feel. Sure, the combat's a little wonky to go back to, and yeah, not everything's as pretty unless you play on the 3D version, which I didn't play here, I'm sorry. I did play it on the N64 Virtual Console on the Wii U, so you had to do that weird bit of finagling with the buttons again. This one I might actually pick up on the 3DS to play through it again in a year or so, because I think this is the peak for me. Now I'm hoping I'm wrong. I'm hoping that as we keep going, I like them, you know, I like the other ones more and more. But my gut instinct right now is this is the best. If I had to pick one, this is the one that feels like a true legend in Legend of Zelda. There's a lot of mystery around it. It's not all happy all the time. I don't know, you know, it's very hard to put my finger on why I like this game so much and don't like the other ones as much as this. But if my recommendation counts for anything, do try this because it is really good. Now you can either, you know, blast right to the end by completing the four temples. This time that that's what I did. I didn't take the time to go get 100% of the masks and then confront Majora. This time I kind of went and got a couple masks and, you know, joined joined the group of kids and got the bomber's notebook. You know, I did a couple of those things, but I ended up more or less just going for the four temples and getting what I had to to complete the game. But the fact that the game is kind of modular in the fact that you can make it however long you want. You can't really do that with Ocarina. You can't really, well, unless you do some fantastic glitching. You can't really do that with any other Zelda, but this one, its short length makes me want to replay it more. So it's not too much of a time investment. So to close this up, Majora's Mask earns every kind of recommendation I can give for potential Zelda fans, for Zelda fans that started beyond this, and for people that played it when they were a kid and they want to go back to it. It's really worth your time. Now, coming up next is Final Fantasy V, and I've never played it, so I don't have any kind of expectations going into it. I know Bartz is the main character, that's about it. And I know there's a job system in it, but I've been keeping away from reading about it until I finally got to play it. So I'm very curious to see what I think of it. I kept this one a little bit shorter. I wanna try to make these a little bit shorter. Let me know if you like the longer format or the shorter format. Do look us up on Facebook and Twitter. So we're trying to make our Twitter presence a little bit more felt, try to interact with people because that's half the fun of doing this. Nobody likes screaming into the void. Especially when the void screams back, you can't really hear each other, it gets awkward, you end up repeating things you said. It's just not a good time, so it is really cool to talk to people. Uh, other than checking out like Mike's show of Critical Hits or the mainstays of Retro Rewind or the Bit Effect episodes, I guess all I have left to say is thanks for listening and I'll see you next time.